So he mentioned um, these little flyers that you'll see on the table. When you get there, there's two uh, different sizes. And so uh, if you're over 40, we printed this large print <laughs> that you can pick up and actually read what's going on. Um, no, that's not true. Uh, we, we, we were printing this one and then we realized that uh, this might be a lot more convenient to be able to give out to someone. So we've printed a bunch of them. You are uh, free to take as many as you would like, and we would encourage you to do that. You can use this for an invitation or maybe just uh, you know, put that one in the car. Maybe this one goes on the fridge or something like that. But uh, please, we, we, um, we want you to have them and see where everything is. And then um, this, I, I just I need to say it again, and we'll continue to say it during this time. I'm describing to our staff uh, two different adjectives um, to give an idea of what this time is like. And one of them simply is, uh, I think that uh, a blessing of this interim time will be that the thing that makes Jubilee, Jubilee will still be in effect. Our glory, our strength, our whatever it is about our church that you like is not because of our buildings. It never has been. It was like this in a school. It was like it in a storefront. It's like it in this building. It'll be like it in the interim and it'll be like it in the new building. What is that thing? It's Jesus, right? right. We are not built on a building and we're not built on a program and we're not built on anything. That's our hope and that's our glory. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us. So no matter where we meet, he's in our midst right there. So that's one of the words I'm describing and that's why we actually can feel some level of excitement in this because we know the Lord is with us and it will be a new adventure that we do over the next few months. Here's the other word though. It's a dangerous time. And I've told my staff it's a dangerous time. It's one of those times where it's going to be easy for people to fall through the cracks right now. It's going to be out of sorts for us. It's going to be um, not as easy to spot who's there and who's not there. And uh, you know, is someone missing? Or are they just on vacation? Or, you know, it's just going to be when you get out of sorts and it's not normal, you're almost just trying to focus on, am I doing okay? So I'm going to ask for your help in something. Jake was teasing when he said, you know, if you see someone and you don't see them after a couple of weeks, we're going to hunt you down. In a way, I do want you to help me pastor people. If you know folks sitting around you or folks who go to the other services if you don't see them after a couple weeks, make a telephone call. Let someone know that you miss them, that it makes a difference if they're there or not. Be intentional not to let yourself or other people fall through the cracks. Help us right now. I had a couple walk up to me last night after I did the service and talked about this thing. And they are a, they're a neat couple. But they walked up to me and they said, Pastor, we live really close and we're able to walk to the church. And I said, oh, that's going to be a little bit of an inconvenience for you. You're going to have to drive about five minutes. And they said, well, they said, we'll probably just see you when you get in the new building. And I'm like, didn't you hear what I just said? Don't do that. Don't fall between the cracks right now. Don't go. I'll pick it up. I, I know this to be true. The Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so. After COVID, this is a true statement. You can look around. After COVID, a third of our church has not made it back in person since COVID. They're still here. The giving is still there. They watch online, but people have fallen into the habit that it's easier to turn on a program than it is to have to get dressed and drive over. And honestly, the worst thing about it is people begin to miss out on the community and the connection. And then you can tell yourself, I'm not really missing anything, but that is not how Jesus designed the church to operate. We need to be in community with each other. And honestly, these next four months will be some of the best community the church has had because it's going to put away a lot of the pretense about everything else and bring it all down to just community. We're going to have to be more intentional with that than ever before. So I don't mean to be redundant. I don't mean to beat a dead horse. I hope that you can understand this is a very important time that we're going into. I'm worried about it. 
and I'm about to preach a message on not worrying. So uh, it's a little bit of a conflict in my own, <laughs> my own heart there. But uh, literally, I just would ask, help us, be a part of it, walk through this, own this with us, um, let your church, let the proof be that it's not a building that draws us together, it's Jesus that draws us together, right? Amen to that. Thank you, three people who are amening me on that. I appreciate that. Okay, one more announcement, and then I'll jump into the message. Uh, to my left, your right, this front row over here is Larry Good, and his son Pocho is sitting over there. Larry is our missionary uh, down in Peru. And those of you who go to church here undoubtedly have heard me talk about the ministry there. I've personally been six times every time I go. It's a life-changing event for me. Larry and his sons are in town right now. They spoke at a missions gathering that we had the other night. He needed to do some business and they're taking uh, a well-earned, deserved uh, vacation for a couple of weeks right now. And so they're hanging out with us this weekend. And I, I want to take a moment to recognize him, to recognize them, to recognize the ministry. Our church has taken 13 trips down to, uh, to visit and to invest in what's going on in Peru. Primarily, now not only, but primarily their ministry is to a very marginalized people group. In that part of the world, they have a lot of orphans and Peru does not see those uh, as an asset, more of an inconvenience. Uh, when I say street kids, we live in a place where you just can't imagine, you'd have to go see it for yourself. But little kids, some of them seven, eight, and nine years old, living on the streets in groups. And we go and we visit. And that's a lot of who Larry ministers to. And I, I know you think when I say it, it really can't be like that. It is like that. And it's a difficult situation. Their ministry, they've established several orphanages and they feed and they clothe. And I've told you some of the stories and shown you some of the pictures, the, the difference that we are making in that part of the world. But um, they, they have chosen to work with a people group that are much forgotten by many, many people, the poor. Uh, you know, the Bible says that pure religion and undefiled is this, to take care of widows and to take care of the poor. Do you hear me? Amen. To take care of the poor. What are you doing about that? This is what we're doing about that. And you're a part of it. God counts it to your account because you're a part of it with us. So I want to announce today that our first mission trip for 2022, can you imagine 2022 is on the doorstep? We're going to go back to Peru. The trip will be March 5th through the 13th of 2022. If you have any desire, any desire whatsoever to go on a short-term mission trip, to see some of the things that you've heard me talk about or other people in our church talk about, or if you just want to stir things up spiritually, why should you go on a mission trip? So many good reasons, but I can tell you one for you. It will change your heart. It will change your heart. It will put you in a position to experience a level of God. You will thank me if you do this. I'm not trying to get something out of you. I'm trying to give you something that you will use for the rest of your life. It will change your heart. You should go for that reason. Maybe you need to pray about it, think about it, whatever. Let me just say this. Next Sunday, so a week from today, after this service, we're going to have an informational meeting starting at 1 o'clock downstairs in the classroom. Coming to the meeting doesn't obligate you to go, right? If you show up, it doesn't mean you signed up. But if you are interested in going, uh, even if you just want more information or to hear about it, then this is the meeting that you would want to come to. 1 o'clock, it lasts approximately an hour. Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca will lead that, uh, that meeting right there. Those are our mission pastors. And it's just an opportunity, folks, really, to keep doing good in the world and making a difference uh, in our world uh, for Christ. I said it this, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. And I, you know, they, they cut a song out of worship because I take this extra time to do this. And so JJ's like, hey, we'll give you a little extra time. And so I ended up going even longer in the, um, in the thing. So let me just tell you a, a wonderful quick story. Larry and I know each other uh, about 30 years, maybe a little more than that. We went to church together in Northern Colorado at Resurrection Fellowship. And I was a youth pastor at the time. 
And Larry was an entrepreneur, a businessman in our church. He owned some restaurants and he owned a bed and breakfast up in Alaska. And he had one down in, I think it was Creed, Colorado, wasn't it? Down in Creed. And um, Larry had done really well for himself. The Lord had really blessed Larry. But we were doing a mission trip at the time to Romania. It was right after communism fell. Ceausescu, uh, who was the dictator, had been killed. And man, uh, it, like, you know, the Berlin Wall went down and that part of the world, Eastern Europe, just opened up. And it was like a vacuum. Who could get in there first? And you had so many cults trying to get in there, but you had believers going there with the gospel and people hearing the gospel for the very first time in their life. We had brought like 50 or 60 cases of Bible uh, in Romanian. And I remember opening up a case and people who had never held a Bible, listen to this, started diving over the table to grab the people are fist fighting with each other to get a hold of a Bible. And it's, so we just like, Hey, those of you who love Jesus, fight it out and we'll figure out who should get. No, we didn't do that. So we're trying to like push people back and distribute. I wished I'd have brought about 10 times as many Bibles as we brought, but it was on that trip where the Lord began to deal with Larry and to break Larry's heart. Larry had worn these, this cool pair of Jordans on the trip that he just got for the trip. He was a younger man then. And uh, yeah, and so he, there was a kid there. You talk about an area of the world that was very poor too. Romania was that place. And there was a kid there who, I mean, he was wearing rags for shoes and Larry took off his shoes. He gave his shoes to this kid. And he's still taking off his shoes and giving them to kids. The last time we were there, we go to all these street kids who were filthy. Oh, they were so filthy. And Larry said, Pastor John wants to wash your feet. <laughs> I could have killed him. And I just, I, I bent down to all these kids. We couldn't get the feet clean. There was no way. And then we had bought all these shoes to give them. And you'd have thought we'd given them a brand new car, man. And I know... I'm emotional and can be dramatic. I know that, but I'm not messing with you. To give a kid a pair of shoes in the name of Jesus. <laughs> what better thing could you do with your life? What's the last time it moved you? Why should you go? Because it'll change you. It'll break your heart. And then Jesus will make it better in your heart than it's ever been. And I admire him because he's sold all that he has to go down there. And we tease each other relentlessly. It's the relationship that we have. We mock each other and tease each other. And that's how we say we love each other. But I admire you. I admire what you do for the Lord. I admire the courage that it takes for you to do what you do, Larry. I admire that you live out what you believe. Pocho, I know you love your dad and you admire him, but dude, I'm telling you, you got a special father, man. He's a special man. If you have any interest in experiencing any of the things that I'm talking about, this would be a good opportunity for you to come and see what the Lord is doing. And I'll stop there because if I don't, it might be Pastor John needs to go home and lay down so enough said okay yeah so a week from today at one o'clock will be that meeting if you have any interest okay we're in a series in philippians uh we're going to go to chapter four today so let me let me say a couple of things about this to set this up and then we'll jump in first of all um this is a very familiar passage of scripture if you have been around the Bible and been around church, I bet you've heard a message taught on this. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me teach uh, on this scripture. I, I believe that um, the Bible tells us that we are to hide God's word in our heart. One of the ways we do that is to memorize scripture. And if you've never memorized it, I would suggest this is a wonderful place to start. 
this is a scripture that you want in your foundation. That doesn't mean that it's like a beginning scripture and then we move on from it. It means that to build a life in Christ, you want this as part of your foundation. Does that make sense? So we're never going to get past what I'm about to teach you. We're always going to be doing it, but you got to understand what I'm about to say. This is really important. I'm going to put a lot of passion into what I'm about to do right now. This is one of these messages where I don't want you to shake your head and say amen and agree with me only with your intellect. This has to hit your heart. The power of the gospel it speaks to our mind and it brings our heart into alignment with our brain. So there's power behind the word of God. The word of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God wants you to experience what I'm about to talk about. He wants you to know for yourself, not just knowing your head that it's true, but knowing your life that you experience. So Philippians chapter four, four through seven, this is the apostle Paul writing to a church from prison, by the way. And the significance of that is these words are super powerful. What he's about to tell them to do, you have to realize, Paul's life is not in a good place right now. It's not all going his way. He's not going through promotion. He's not making a lot of money. He's not being applauded and lauded and looked at as a superstar. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's in prison in Rome and he knows the outcome because prophetically he's been told that if he goes this way with his life, it's going to cost him his life. He knows that the end is near. So he's writing this from prison and not a prison in the western part of the world in 2021. This is back in AD 30 or 40 or 50, somewhere there approximately. You don't have a bill of rights. You don't have anybody that is saying, hey, you can't treat a person this way. They can treat you any way they wanna treat you. And the very fact that you're there means that you're guilty. There's no innocent until it is you are guilty because you are here. So that's the place he's in when he writes these words. Listen to the words. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Is he crazy? Is he naive? Is he disconnected? What is wrong with this guy? Can't he see what he's going through? And when I say always be full of joy in the Lord, you as a Western believer in 2021 should rejoice that you actually can do that. So I'll say it one more time. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Amen. I'll say it again. Rejoice with an exclamation point. And then listen to this. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Look at this. Don't worry about anything. Is that even possible? To be honest, be real. I know, theologically speaking, it's true. But in your life, is it reality? Are you able to not worry about anything? Be honest. It's hard to do. I, how old are you? Twelve. It's hard to do when you're 12. Let alone when you're 109. And by the way, there's a cause and effect. So there's not a neutrality here. He's not suggesting don't worry about anything, period. There's a semicolon here, meaning there's a connecting thing that needs to happen for this to work. So it's not don't worry about anything, just let your mind go into neutral. Your mind doesn't know how to go into neutral. Your body can. When you sleep, your body's going into neutral. But you know your mind continues to work. You dream. And if you're full of anxiety, you can actually worry while you're sleeping. You ever woken up engaged instantly? In fact, you woke up because your mind is engaged. Has that ever happened to you? So your mind doesn't have this ability to just simply slip into neutral. It's doing positive or negative. And so he's saying, don't worry about anything, semicolon. Instead, pray about everything. So you're only doing one or the other. And then look at this. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done and if you do that, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Peace that passes understanding. And his peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Is that important, yes or no? Oh my goodness, if you're going to memorize any scripture, get this one in the foundation. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And by the way, rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you forget, rejoice! Rejoice! 
Don't let this go. This is important. You must do this. And by the way, do not look at me and shake your head and go, good message, pastor. Do this message. I don't care if you think I'm a good preacher. I care if you're doing this. Do this. Don't do this with a weak eye. I get you. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. So if you're doing the fill in the blanks or you're taking notes or you just want to know, let me give you three things from the scripture that I think are important. The first one is, according to Paul, in the position he's in, here's what he's saying. Joy is a choice. Joy is not determined by your circumstances. If it was, then he would write, once I get out of prison, I will rejoice. Instead, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. In every circumstance, choose joy. Some of us are waiting for things to turn around, to go our way, like a salmon swimming upstream. You're thinking if it could just all go downstream and be easy, then I will rejoice. Can I point something, tell something, get you to realize life is never that way. Even when it's going good, there's stuff that's going wrong. Yes or no? Some of you are like, I won't say because if I say, then it commits me to maybe something going wrong. Dude, you can't say because stuff is going wrong now. Listen to what I'm saying. Joy is a choice. You make that choice when you choose to understand my circumstances have nothing to do with whether or not I can be joyful. You can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose to be joyful in your circumstances. You get that choice. All right, so let's be practical. Let's be honest. I asked you, is it even possible to not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything? Now, I mean, theologically, yep, God can do anything, but are you doing this? Have you figured it out? Are you able to walk in this? Are you experiencing God's peace? Joy's a choice. I think personally, can you agree with this? We live in a season, a time, a day when there's a great deficit of joy in our world. A great deficit of joy. Joyful people are rare. Joyful people would be welcome. Joy right now would be a commodity that could be traded for a lot of fear. Because it is a deficit of joy. But let me tell you what we have more than an abundance of fear, worry, anxiety, which ultimately leads to anger. People are on the edge of popping right now. My paper this week said they are about to, in Denver, spend several million dollars to hire psychologists to help children over the last year and a half that are faced mental afflictions because of the world they're living in right now. Look at me. If we don't fix that when they're kids, what will they be like when they're adults? Dude, you can't drive your car right now making the slightest mistake without people ready to pop. Have you seen it? Yes or no? We're looking at a crime rate going up all over the world right now, but especially in America. And it's not just big democratic cities or Republican cities. And for sure, you can connect, hey, defund this, and then it's going to equal that. I'll give you that there's some, some ideas and thoughts. Let me give you a spiritual equation to this. That when you're filled with anxiety, and you're filled with a lack of peace, and you're filled with fear, it equals anger. People are angry. And we don't know where to turn to and what to do about it. And people are popping left and right. So you see a crime rate going up, 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 up. And we want to blame it on physical things. And I'm telling you, it will not be addressed only in the physical because it is a spiritual issue going on today. It is spiritual. There's a deficit of joy. So if we're going to be practical and we're going to be real, let's talk about how do you choose joy? If joy is a choice, how do you do it? Here's the first question. What do I have to be joyful about? And if I asked you right now, give me 10 things, could you? So this is what I've learned in life, right? Listen to me. When you're in a good place spiritually, you can think of all the things that you're thankful for and all that you have to be thankful for. But so many of us live our lives just keeping our head above water, trying to breathe, which means you're only trying to survive. And I have found this to be true in my life. When I'm in that place, it's very hard to think of anything except myself. Can I come over here and say it? So many of us, we're not living, man. We're surviving. 
You find yourself hemmed, pushed, pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So you're just like, uh uh-uh. Listen to me right now. And so I talk about being joyful. And when you're in a really great place with God, it's so easy to be joyful. But when you find yourself just, you're being pushed and pressed and things are taken from you and you're living in a world where there's not a lot of joy and not a lot of abundance, it's difficult to think of what to be grateful for. So then the preacher stands up and says, joy is not based on your circumstance. It's not based on government. It's not based on what's going on in your family. It's not even based on your spouse. Listen to the crickets. Creak, 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 creak. Some man's like, oh man, don't say that. I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) Listen to me. It's not based on your circumstance. It's a choice that you make. So I'm trying to be practical with you. So if you're going to choose joy, what do you have to be joyful about? What do you have to be thankful about? So let me tell you this great story. Um, For those that have gone to Jubilee for any length of time, five years ago, right now, right now, I had a heart attack. Right now. I'd gotten up and we had a campus over in Lakewood and Pastor Evan and Emily were leaving that campus to start a church that we were helping them establish and we're moving Pastor DJ and Cammie into that church from Castle Rock into Lakewood and Chris and I had gone that weekend to help them, we're praying over them, releasing Evan and Em with our blessing, uh, putting DJ and Cam in, we're making it all happen. So it comes to that part of the service where we're about to pray for everybody, step on the platform, grab the mic, and it was like my heart seized instantly. I couldn't breathe, it hurt so bad, and my mind couldn't wrap around that I'm having a heart attack. So people are like, we need to call 911. And I said, no. I said, I'm gonna drive myself to the hospital. No, you're not gonna do that. Chris said, I'll drive. That was an exciting adventure. <laughs> it would stop hurting for a few minutes. So I would be like, it's okay, you can slow down. And then all of a sudden it would start beating really funny and it felt like it was gonna stop. So I'm like, ah! And she'd start speeding again. So fast, slow, fast, slow. Which hospital do I go to? I, we got time to make it all the way over to Lone Tree. And then it would hurt. Pull into the first one that you see. You know, she's like, I can't take you. And I mean, it was just crazy. So listen to the story real quick. I'm not gonna spend time on this, but I need to get a stent and it was a heart attack and I have to go on medication. I go through all of that. When I get home, the most amazing thing, why does it take a tragedy, an earthquake, a storm? Why does it take some, why does it take near death? To get us to open our eyes to something. Why can't we just stop and say, this is not important. This is important. I'm going to give myself to this. I'm not going to. Why are we like that? Why do we choose to just keep our head above water? Why do we die before we're dead? You with me? So I'm in the recovery process. And I'm laying in my bed at home after I get out of the hospital. And suddenly everything became so clear and so simple. I could look at everything in my life and know that's important and that's a waste of time. And I just had decided, here's how I'm living my life. I'm getting rid of all the stuff that's superfluous, that's a time waster, that's costing me. And I'm only going to embrace the things that are important and that matter. My family mattered. Remember? I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think, did I die? Am I still alive? I know that sounds so weird, but like this weird thing had happened to me that it was so unexpected. So I'd reach over in the darkness just to feel if Chris was there. And when I would touch her, oh, I was so thankful to God that I'd see the sunrise in the morning. I went out my backyard, I would touch the tree because the tree was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I bet you passed by hundreds of thousands of them and never give them one thought. You look last night, did you see the sunset last night? Anybody, how beautiful it was. I stopped and here's what I said to the Lord. You are the most incredible artist because you did this so that we could enjoy the beauty that you created. And how many people walk by it day after day after day? Not that you don't like the sun, not that you don't understand what beauty is, but you don't pay attention. And I ask you, what do you have to be thankful about? You can't think of three things. And I'm telling you, I was just thankful that I was breathing air. 
And now five years later, tell me this isn't the human condition. I have to be really on purpose to pay attention to the sunshine now, to look at the tree, (laughs) to think about what my priorities are. Because like you, I've got a thousand other things called the tyranny of the urgent, always encroaching and always pushing. Some of them important, some of them not important, but they're all screaming. Anybody? And so then the pastor stands up and you don't think I get it, but I, I told you, so you hear this message and you're like, in your head, you agree with me. Oh yes, that's important. Oh yes, I agree. Are you doing it? Look at me. Are you doing it? Because here we have the scripture, be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. And the question would be, if you're going to choose joy, if it's not based on circumstances, what do you have to be grateful for? And it's so hard to think of what we have to be grateful for and really mean it. Unless, listen, unless we're truly connected to God this way. Here's what I know. When you're spiritually really tuned in and connected, it's so easy to be thankful for everything. And when this suffers, it's so hard to be grateful for. These things become more of an inconvenience than they are a blessing. All right, so let me give you two things. Two things that I have practiced, two things that I practiced this week, two things that I know make a difference. What do you have to be joyful about? So let me teach you how to be joyful. Here's the first one, the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus, read this with me, a continual sacrifice of praise to God. One more time, a continual sacrifice of praise to God. So let me, let me tell you what this means. Cause maybe you're thinking like the sacrifice of praise is when you praise and you don't want to do it. I guess it could mean that, but maybe I think in the bigger sense, the sacrifice is what belongs to God. It's his, what he wants from us is to recognize who he is to us, to remind ourselves and to tell him how wonderful he is to us, how good he is to us, what the difference that he is to us. So this, this week, normally on Wednesday, that's my study day for this weekend. And I try to block that day out like nobody can have this time. But right now, my schedule is such, I have to be super flexed. Blessed are the flexible because they won't break. Amen. Is that in the Bible? That's in my notes inside the Bible that I have written. So listen to me real quickly. So Wednesday comes and I had just like all heck is broken loose. And so I realized I'm not going to be able to study this morning. So I knew I could carve it out on Thursday morning. So I tell the staff, notes won't be on Wednesday. They'll be on Thursday. Larry comes to town. And Larry had said ahead of time, do you have any time to get together for lunch? I said, Larry, I can do it on Thursday. He says, where do you want to meet? I said, Larry, there's a place that the Holy Spirit loves to hang out at called No-No's Cafe. And meet me there. And the Lord will meet us there. And it's just, it's a blessed food, Larry. And so uh, Thursday rolls around. I study that morning. I'm late. I know I'm getting late. I know I'm going to be late. And the Lord says to me, you just wrote this message and you're going to tell people not to acquiesce, not to ascend to it mentally, but that you have to do it physically. John, you have got to stop and give me what belongs to me. Come on, God. Nono's is waiting. Larry is waiting. He's a busy missionary. God, I had to give up my time yesterday, God. I'm being a little bit facetious right here, but I know it's so easy to say yes in your mind, but not do it with your life. And then we become hearers of the word and not doers of the word. And the Bible cautions us against becoming, that makes you just religious, but not powerful. Boy, it is good, isn't it? It really is. It is. I mean, you'd look at me and you'd think it can't be that good. And then I say something like, like, wow, it really is that good. We'll give the Lord the credit for that. Listen, 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 listen. So I just, I just stop everything. And I just decided Larry loves Jesus. And if I tell him I was spending time with Jesus, he'll, he'll forgive me. So I just begin to tell the Lord accidentally, I didn't have it planned out, but I just began to worship the Lord. It's just me and the Lord. There's no music. There's no pretense. I just begin to tell him, Lord, you are worthy of my time, my first time and the best time. And God, I just want to tell you. And all of a sudden throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, 
there are multiple statements by people who worship God that they will say, you are, speaking to the Lord, you are my righteousness. You are my firm foundation. You are my deliverer. You are my shield. You are my fortress. You are my healing. You are my portion. As I'm saying this, can you think, if you know the Bible, different scriptures where it says you are? I began, it was like all of a sudden, it wasn't just my mind that was connected, but my heart got where my mind was. And the two things came together so that I'm caught up in this time with the Lord. Now, I'm going to use some wording here that you may stumble over. You may go, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to just at the risk of being misunderstood while doing this. I experienced the pleasure of God. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I knew that the Lord was so pleased in that moment with what I was doing. I I could feel it. I was experiencing it. It wasn't theology. It wasn't some kind of an idea that was far removed from me. My heart was where my brain was in time and space, and I can feel God's pleasure. And I was feeling it in such a great way, I didn't want to break it off. So I just began louder to tell him, you are all I need. You are everything. You are great and you are mighty. You are wonderful and you are fair and true. And it just began to flow. And I could recall scriptures I read years ago. And it just was this powerful time. And I'm connected. Look, how many times have I said this? I'm connected this way so that I now can go out and live this way. And here's what many believers are doing. You don't connect this way. Not because you don't want to. You don't know how to get there. You don't have the time to get there. (laughs) Something's blocking you from getting there. So you go out and you try to live this way and it's not going well, is it? You find yourself with your head above water, trying to make all your meetings, trying to make all your budget, trying to make your deadline, trying to make your quota, (laughs) trying to make sure that the kids are bathed. Forget about you being bathed. Trying to get through the day. Trying to make it to church. Try to remember somebody's birthday. Just trying not to fail. Look at me. Don't push me away right now. Talk to me. I'm not above you. I'm talking to me right now. And it's not that you're against this. In fact, you know. You know the life that you get. When I say experiencing God's pleasure, how many of you know what I'm talking? Can you just raise your hand real quick? It's not to shame anybody. Look, if you don't know, listen to me. My, my hope in this is not that you feel undone or exposed. My prayer and my hope is going to be that something in you will desire to say to God, I want to know what pastor's talking about. I want to go home and experience. God, let me experience. Look at me. This is not the place that you're going to experience what I'm talking about. I can instruct you and I can encourage you and I can teach you, but you cannot experience through me what you experience through God. This is, this is good, but it's almost like a formality for many of us because this is not the end all be all of your spiritual experience with God. This should be a stepping stone to leap into the presence of God to embrace him, to touch him, to know what pastor's talking about. Because what changes everything in life is when you engage this way so that you then have margin to engage this way and to know what's worthy and what's not worthy, what's important and what's not important and how I want to live my life. Anybody hear what I'm saying right now? I'm trying, man. I am trying hard right now. So this, this, this praise to God has to come first. If we're going to choose joy, if it's a choice, then the question has to be, what do I have to be joyful about? And to really know, you've got to touch God. The sacrifice of praise opens this door. He invites us into his presence. Come in here. Come in here with me. Come away with me. Come away with me. You're the one I love. Come away with me. But we'll demand, you come over here with me. 
I don't have time. And I just don't think it moves God off the throne. Is that cruel for me to say that? Harsh? I don't mean it that way. It's just like, he's God. You're not. McFly, come on. (laughs) So if you can connect this way, then what do you have to be grateful about? How do you choose joy? Look at this. This is Psalms 116, 17. I will offer you, read this with me, a sacrifice of? The difference between the sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of thanksgiving and the order is this. Praise belongs to God. First and foremost, give that to him, connect with him, get in that place with him, and then giving what you're thankful about becomes so easy when you connect to God this way first. Then all of a sudden you will have a list, like the the sunset matters all of a sudden, and you can see it. Some of you heard what I said, but you didn't hear me. It went, and you'll leave unchanged, but I'm hoping that some of you will be changed. Mm. How old are you? 11 and 12. Men, you don't have to wait till you're an old guy to find the presence of the Lord. If you could find it at 11 and 12, it'll change everything in life. Dude, it's worth everything to find this. Like, listen to me. This is not some weirdo thing. It's not some like you can't play baseball if you do this. It might make you a better athlete if you do this. Listen, it is everything. Hear what Pastor John's saying right now. It's so much easier to do it then than to try to do it when you're in your 50s. (laughs) But if you learn to do it, it's that place you can always go to. Guys, this message... It's, I don't have enough time today to teach all of the message. I, I don't know what to do right this second. Um, no, 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 no. There's something that the Holy Spirit, just hang on just a second. Let me just think about this. It's Acts 16. This is Paul and Silas. Not, not in a Roman prison. <laughs> this is another prison. Paul was a, like a jailbird, man. <laughs> Literally, guys, a jailbird. If you were to look at his track record today and not understanding why he was in the situation, I'm not sure that you'd hire him, to be honest with you. <laughs> like his resume would say, hey, where were you from, you know, 30 AD to 31? Well, I was in prison in Philippi. What, what? What's this one over here in Rome? Well, that's a different prison. Did you learn anything? How to be content in everything. Well, you know, like... (laughs) The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison... And the jailer was commanded, in other words, he was warned to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were cursing God. About midnight... Paul and Silas were laying charges at God's unfaithfulness in their life. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to what they were praying and singing. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. One of the greatest preachers in the world is an African-American who God is gifted with oratory like you, just like, like I sit there and think, when I grow up, I'd like to have one-tenth of his talent. 
And so he, I heard him preach a message on this scripture right here. And he said, the Bible says that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. So as he reclined on his throne and put his feet up, Paul and Silas began to sing and clap and praise. And the Lord was touched. So he began to tap his foot and the earth began to shake and the prison began to quake and the bar sprung open and out came two men who experienced deliverance. Ooh, come on, man. And then I look and I think people are sitting here and it's, come on, come on. What will it take? What will it take? Ah, here's my questions. Two questions for you. Do circumstances bring you closer or further from God? Because for some people, their circumstances do not draw them to God. They're the proof to them that God is unfaithful. So they revile and they bring charges. Where's your God now? You can't do that. You must say, God, you are my way out of this. If your problems and circumstances bring you further from God, you're that much further from deliverance. Did you hear what I said? Like in a married couple, man, everybody, had, Paul said, if you get married, you're going to have problems. Yay. <laughs> like that's encouraging, right? Literally, it says that you'll have problems. So what do problems do to a married couple? For some people, they come between them and they're a wedge that pushes them apart. Or from the outside, that wedge pushes people together. And what's the difference? What you choose to do with your circumstance and problem. That's it. That's it. No, pastor, I didn't get the break. <laughs> Who did? Well, if I'd have married this other person, that's what they think about you. <laughs> Here's my other question. If other people in your same circumstances are listening to you, what do they hear? Do they hear you praise and sing and rejoice? Or do they hear you revile? What do they hear? I bring no shame to any person in this room. I'm guilty of this too at times. To mature is to learn to do this less and to praise more. How you doing? God, in one news day this last week, a week and a half ago, there's an earthquake in Haiti. There's a hurricane in Louisiana. And then there's Afghanistan. Like we move so fast in world events, it's almost impossible to even take in. You look out at the world today, tell me that the world is not filled with anxiety for good reason. And yet God is telling, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it rejoice because it's the difference of knowing where your deliverance and where, if you're depending on the world or the government to bring you hope, you better be afraid. Go ahead, man. Fear it up. But if you get God and you know deliverance and that he is on your side, yes. rejoice. Yes. Rejoice. Yes, hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Come on. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Hmm. I'm going to move us in time and space because it's the end of this message I want to go to. So let me just talk about God's peace real quick. If you want to fill in the blanks, don't worry about anything is two. Three is his peace. Verse seven. Um, yeah, you're going to have to skip and go to verse. There it is. So you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Okay, here's what I am reading in this. The natural occurrence to worry is anxiety. So one plus one equals two. Listen to this. The supernatural occurrence to prayer and praise is God's peace. That's what he promises. If you will pray about everything, the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard you. It will keep you. You can live in this place. So as I'm studying, as I'm writing, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, I want you to pronounce with boldness four blessings that I will give to people who hear this message, who enter into this peace. So I want to give you four promises of peace right now. Here's the first one. Psalms 4.8. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. Let me show you this weird experience. Watch this real quickly. How many of you in the last month, two months, six months, your sleep has been messed up? Raise your hand real quickly if that's... Look, keep them up for a second. 
Look around this room real quickly. Look around. Hold them up. I want, I want, look around. Look, look around. What am I trying to show you right now? You think it's just you. You think it's just your circumstance. You think it's your problems. I have taught you, even recently, the devil knows the well-worn path into your life. One of the ways that he attacks believers is to mess with your sleep. Sleep is a blessing. Sleep is a promise. Sleep is a good thing. It rebuilds us. It encourages us. In the morning, we wake up and God's mercies are renewed. But if you're not sleeping, it's hard to see those mercies and you're worn out and the devil is taking advantage of you. He is roaming around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let him starve to death in your life. Let him find nothing to eat in your life. God promises that a blessing in your life is that your sleep will be peaceful. When's the last time it was peaceful? And I'm not talking about ambient peaceful. When's the last time your sleep was peaceful? Because that's the promise. Now, if you're a young parent, I'm sorry. There's an exclusion there that you got 18 years coming to you, but it's worth it. You will sleep again. I promise you will. <laughs> so the promise is that you will have peace in your sleep. And I came to proclaim today, do you have faith to believe that God could touch you and that you could sleep good tonight? My son, Daniel called me last night. They'd just been going through COVID. Little Lucy's been so sick. They had to take her to the hospital this week. Holly's got it right now. Daniel's had two spiritual dreams in the last three weeks. One was a hand coming up underneath his bed and reaching up to grab him. So it scared him to death. And then the other one is that the enemy came to him in a dream two nights ago and whispered in his ear, you're a harbinger and I'm going to kill you and began to choke him. And Holly said while he was sleeping, she could hear him gasping for air. Dan, I'm sorry, I didn't get permission to share this, but he called me and he just is my big son. Dad, I'm scared. The enemy's just having a field day in our house right now, and I, I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm, afraid I'm going to die. What is this? I said, look, God doesn't give us insight into those things to tell us this is going to happen, so too bad, so sad. It's insight into the spiritual realm so that you can do warfare. After having done all to stand, stand therefore. Take your stand, put on your armor, and kick back. Kick back. You have authority in the blood of Jesus. You have authority. So, son, we are going to pray right now. We are going to cry out. I'm asking for angels to be surrounding your house angels that are ready to do war and angels that are there to do ministry. So this morning, Daniel's at church. He wasn't there yesterday. Beat down. He's at church this morning. He comes downstairs. I said, did you sleep? He said, like a baby. Because God hears our prayers. And I knew, I knew when I was praying for him last night, God was hearing our prayers. He hears our prayers. Your children matter to him. Your situation matters to him. The enemy works so overtime to disengage believers that God is present and that God hears so that we're out there living this way. How much faith can you have trying to do it on your own? You start out good, but life just kicks it out of you, doesn't it? So you hear pastor talk this morning and you think, it's naive, John. Am I? Here's the second promise. Psalms 147, 14. He sends peace across your nation. Let's do that one more time. He sends peace across your nation. Do you still have the faith to believe that it's not too late for America? Yes. No, no, don't just shake your head. Yes. I mean, I know the automatic answer, but what does your mouth say? What do your prayers say? What does your heart really say right now? Is it too late? Have we gone too far? Are we too divided? Is there too much hurt and too much anger? Are we too far gone? I mean, the natural, you might have to say yes in some ways, but I'm not talking about the natural. I'm talking about Psalms 147, 14. 
God sends peace across your nation and satisfies your hunger with the finest wheat, which I think means spiritually speaking, God wants to satisfy the spiritual hunger of our nation with the best that he has, which is Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. Do not be offended. Do not be hurt. Do not be put off. Don't think I'm naive. Listen to me. Our problem today is not political. It is spiritual in our nation. It is spiritual. We will not be united over politics. We will not be united over policy. We will be united through Jesus. Through Jesus. You naive pastor. Where is your hope? I'm telling you right now where my hope is. It's in Jesus. Pastor, don't you see? Yep. And that's all the more reason why it's going to have to be through Jesus. Mercy and forgiveness, reconciliation. It's going to happen in this world with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for encouraging me right now. You know what I've learned is that when I say things that people don't have faith for, it's almost like it pushes back against me. So I say it right now and I know there's a pushback. Like you really, in your head, yes, but could it really happen? Yes. If all you're doing is watching the news, your answer will have to be no. If all you're doing is eating from the trough of media, your answer has to be no. Eat from this trough of life-giving food and water. Come on with me, man. Come on. Okay. Three, three, promise of peace over your mind. John 14, 27, the words of Jesus. I'm leaving you with a what? (laughs) And here's the gift. Peace of mind and heart. How about this real quick? Real quick. We don't need to explain why. How many of you need peace of mind right now? Yeah, man. Come on. If you have children, please. Yeah. (laughs) Some moms are pointing like, course. And I'm being a little bit physical, but we need peace of mind right now. It is robbed from us. We're living in a deficit of peace and joy. And God is promising peace of mind. The peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So if you're trying to get it this way, you have to, if you think my message is like, well, maybe we could do it, or maybe you cannot get what I'm offering unless you go to God to get it. You won't get it any other way. And then number four, he promises peace in your life. Galatians 5.22, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Some of you know what it is. You can quote it to me. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. And what's the third one? Peace. Peace. And then the next one is patience. Maybe not that one, right? But kindness and goodness and faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Real quickly, this is the personality of Jesus. That's what that is. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us like Jesus. What does that mean? We're going to grow beards. We're going to be more joyful. We're going to be more peaceful. We're going to experience more love. This message is not for you to agree with, with your intellect, but to experience in your life. Are you experiencing more love? Are you loving people more? Sometimes that's a good answer. It's true. Are you more joyful? That's how you marriage, uh, measure spiritual growth. Is how you're doing in those areas. And that's not to make anybody feel bad. It's to say the promise of God right now. He said, "Be bold. Tell people I want to do this in their life." So we're going to pray for sleep, our nation, your mind, and life. And I'm just going to do it straightforward and bold. So would you close your eyes with me, Father? This is the time and the moment where no human has any power to make any of these things happen, only the supernatural power of God. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you would reach down in space and time, that you would well up, bubble up. Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us right now, right now, speak. Have your way. Fill us up. The things that come against, the urgent. Jesus said it this way, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, things that come in and choke out what God wants. God, right now, help us to see all those things that for so long 
have dominated our thinking, controlled our lives, and kept us from experience life in you. God, set captives free right now. Let the anointing break every yoke of bondage. If you raised your hand when I mentioned the sleep issue, or if you wish you would have, I speak over you right now the same promise that I prayed over my son Daniel. The Lord says that he will give you peace in your sleep. Enter into this promise that I'm talking about right now. I speak over you right now that the Lord would be your defender. He is your defender. He is your high tower. He is your refuge. He is your peace. He is on your side. If God is for you, who can be against you? May the Lord bless you with rest and with peace. May you sleep the sleep of the innocent tonight. May you experience not in your brain that that's true, but with your sleep. Pastor, it's true. I don't remember the last time I slept that good. I speak right now that every weapon formed against you to come to try to steal this seed will not prosper. That it will be torn down right now. I loose you from hooks, from lies, curses, words, whatever. I speak over you right now God's promise. I speak over our nation. God, would you give us the faith to believe that you won't forget America? Maybe it's just for the sake of the believers that are still here that cry out to you. If my people call by my name, humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven. And I will heal their land. God, bring healing to our land. Bring reconciliation. Bring hope. Not hope in the temporary. Not hope in things that are temporary. God, remember. Cause people to truly believe that you can bring peace to our nation a nation without peace, it's a curse. But a nation in peace is a blessing. God, please don't forget us. Please, God, please. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Over your mind, Jesus said, I have a gift for you, peace of mind. I pray against I know so many, so many, so much of our counseling right now is dealing with people dealing with anxiety. People who are fearful. I didn't mention it in the message. One of the outcomes of anxiety is depression. When I was praying this week, the Lord told me this. I'm going to take a chance. I didn't say it this morning. I'm going to say it right now. The Lord told me that there are people, that, and this, is your, this was the wording that the Lord gave me. It's not that you want to die, but you don't want to live. So you're not suicidal, but you have no vision for the future. You're going through the motions. Um, there's no passion. And people are counting on you. You wouldn't do something silly or foolish. But that, that zest and that, that zeal, it's, it's just, it's been beaten out of you taken out of you. It's just your sheer will that has you get up and keep going. And you are, man, you're strong and you're tenacious, but I'm telling you, uh, doing it in your own willpower will not get you to the finish line. And so the Lord had me praying. It's not, listen, it's not some spirit of suicide, but it's a spirit of life. God put you here because your life matters and it counts and he wants you to enjoy your life and he wants you to be grateful that you're living life and not just waiting for the end to come. 
That was it. God doesn't want you to wait for the end to come. Just be, he doesn't want you just to live, to wait to go to bed at nighttime. Come on. I know I'm speaking to somebody right now. I know I'm speaking to somebody. I speak it forcefully because God told me to be bold. I break that off of you. That's a lie. It's a curse. Yes, there may be things around you that look like evidence, but it's not true. We walk by faith, not by sight. I speak over you faith and I speak over you life. I pray that God would surprise you with how he rekindles life inside of you. Lord, you said you you would do this if I was bold, and so I ask boldly. And the last one is just over your life. The fruit of the Spirit in your life is love and joy and peace. And I'm praying for that more than ever over you, in your marriage, in your health, in, in, in your relationships all around you with your children, with your parents, at your work, at your school, in your dreams, in your vision. I'm praying that the Lord would just pour out a new level of grace. You'd find the activity of the Holy Spirit just almost overwhelming. God's doing so much with you. I pray for a new day. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. It's a time to stop mourning and it's a time to begin dancing. It's a time to do that. The season changes. Just like in the natural, this month we will change seasons. In the spiritual, there is a change of seasons coming to you. A change of seasons. I, man, I proclaim it. I prophetically speak it over you. Even if you're just like, Pastor, I don't know. May God's goodness overwhelm you. Just like we sung in that song, his goodness pursues us, overtakes us. The trick to it, slow down so he can catch you. Let him catch you. Stop. Let God have you. Father, thank you for loving us and thank you for your goodness. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you for giving me extra time today. I know that I took extra time, but thank you for being patient with me and for listening to me.